Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It is episode number 98, and I'm your co-host, Nigel. I am Tazzy, content creator and co-host. And today, for our Arcane Retrospective, we are joined by someone who knows way more about animation than we do, so uh, we're pretty much going to just ask him what everything means, how everything was done. We have with us Wesley Lewis, director and co-founder of The Line Animation. Wesley, welcome to the show. Thanks thanks for having me, uh, Nigel. Uh, that's a lot of pressure now. I know everything about animation. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> well, you know more than me, so that's all. That's the bar. <laughs> we'll, we'll adjust the bar accordingly. So you know more than me, uh, and that gets you on the show. Um, so it's the first time I've had you on a show, sort of. We have had a discussion about manga. We did a panel for Thought Bubble. I, I can't remember how many, many years ago. It might have been last year. Who knows? And there was a panel, Manga Demystified, uh, for Thought Bubble Comic Convention. Uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes so you can uh, check that out. But definitely first time on the podcast proper. So uh, welcome. And for those listening, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to Story X Story on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast from. You can also send us feedback and questions to feedback at myamada.com. Throw them at us on social media. We are at myamada on Twitter, at TV on Instagram and TikTok, or at Tazzy on everything. And you can also join our Studio 77 Discord to be part of the My Matter universe and meet others in the community free. And you can also consider becoming a paid Studio 77 member to support the work that we do at My Matter and get exclusive access to events and artwork and uh, comics as well. Uh, we throw out some comics from time to time. So check that out. Uh, before we get into today's story discussion, let's update you with the latest from the Mayamada universe. We have started a new series, Casual Conversations with Comic Creators. So every month I will be speaking to a different comic creator uh, about their work about what goes into making their work uh, and things that interest them. So we're looking to highlight the people, the human beings behind the art that we all enjoy. Uh, so you can catch the VOD of my conversation with British manga creator uh, Shango Edenjobi, and uh, a new conversation will be coming in April as well. So you can follow us on Twitch um, too and find out who I'll be speaking to next. And speaking of Twitch, we will have our next games night on Knockout City. So we're going to be playing with Studio 77 members, uh, some three-on-three -three dodgeball uh, action, getting to grips with that. You might have seen it on past uh, Gamepad Online events and just anywhere else where people are playing it. Uh, but we'll be playing it, so you can check that out. Join us in the live stream. And you can check out the highlights from past games nights uh, where we played things like Roblox and Fortnite, Rocket League, Identity V, uh, and more, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so you can check that out on uh, YouTube. Um, and we have our spring gamepad online on Saturday, the 9th of April, also live on Twitch and hosted by Tazzy. So we'll be playing or someone will be playing uh, some games. Uh, I just like stay in the background for this one. But we have our Friendly Fire competition where teams from different communities are together to play Rocket League, Brawlhalla, and Knockout City. So we're going to be showcasing that. We'll also have some industry interviews 
and we'll be giving away a t-shirt so we're going to be giving away at least one campaign t-shirt uh, from our do i look like a gamer uh, campaign so definitely check that out it's gonna be a mix of things a really fun variety stream game streaming interviews and giveaways uh, tickets are free so you can check that out on eventbrite get your ticket join us in the discord uh, as well and uh, yeah uh, take part in the day and with our do i look like a gamer campaign uh, for those who don't already know we have launched the representation campaign promoting diversity and inclusion in the video games industry so you can follow us on social media to see the photo campaign uh, and meet the 40 people that we've showcased players makers uh, and there's more to come so you can catch the vod of our video game careers roundtable that was done at payload studios supported by Hitmarker and splash damage among others uh, we were at payload's farrington office and the idea is to have a discussion about video games as a career for young people for parents guardians carers uh, to find out about the paths into industry so hopefully they can understand that there are career paths in there it's not just uh, a waste of time as some sort of parents guardians and might think and hopefully we can get more people from underrepresented backgrounds to be uh, in this industry. We have more events to come as part of the campaign. We'll be running a family games design jam on Saturday, the 23rd of April. And then in May, our ice cream and gamepad social will be on the 21st. So we're gonna have more details about both of those events and other things that we'll be doing as part of the campaign over the spring, uh, including the announcements of uh, different supporters have been uh, really encouraged by the support that's been uh, coming out so putting everything together and you'll be able, you'll be able to uh, take part in that over the spring months so that's uh in a nutshell what we're up to now you're all caught up let's go into our main story discussion this is one i've been looking forward to talking about to be honest so uh, we're going to be talking about Arcane League of Legends, an animated action-adventure series created by Christian Link and Alex Lee Yi for Netflix. Uh, produced by Fortiche under the supervision of Riot Games and is set in the League of Legends fictional universe, which I had very much no idea uh, about other than it exists. Uh, I'm now a little bit more clued up, but only a little bit. Um, so spoiler alert. We're going to be going into sort of all different details over the nine uh, episodes of this series. So if you haven't watched it, what are you doing? Go watch it. Just it, it has to be viewed and, and experienced and then come back and listen to the discussion because definitely don't want to spoil anything for people who have not seen uh, that. I just wanted to add there as well for people that I don't know why you're still here and not watching it right now. But if for whatever reason yeah, if you're, you're like, I don't need now. to watch it, I'm just going to listen to it. <laughs> no, go and watch it because I was like reluctantly like, oh God, Nigel's making me watch this. <laughs> and then even like the first sort of like, I don't know, 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes of the first episode, I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to be into this. It's just another thing that's hyped that I'm not going to be into. By the end of it, I was like, I'm so happy that Nigel made me watch this. <laughs> and you are welcome. <laughs> So there you go. Definitely go watch this. Uh, so a quick story recap. Uh, where did I get this from? IMDb. So in the cities of Piltover and Zorn, tensions rise as inventors, hooligans, politicians, 
and crime lords grow increasingly fed up with the constraints of a devastated society. With a situation on the verge of being unsustainable, two sisters steal an artifact of immeasurable power. Discovery and danger collide as heroes are born and bonds are broken. Will this power change the world or will it lead to ruin? This is the world of arcane. Does that sum it up? Yeah, I guess that's enough. That's all you need to know uh, until we get into it. Uh, like I said, uh, I don't know where to start. What I will say, though, just to piggyback off what uh, Tazi was saying. So I, so we're going to talk about like the production journey. We're going to go into sort of the, the art style, the animation, the, um, the characters and the themes as we always like to cover. But just to add my story of how I got into this is I, I know League of Legends exists and that was about it. Um, so I was not going to watch this either. I didn't know it was coming. Uh, I saw it pop up on Netflix, ignored it because I had no interest in League of Legends. Um, and I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast episode where I was listening to another podcast where someone was just adamant of the quality of this show. And I think they said something about episode three of the show that I did not have any interest in. But the way they were talking about it, oh, it was someone on the uh, Kind of Funny games uh, podcast network so they were just like the way they were talking about it, i was like it can't be that good i'm going to watch this just to make sure um <laughs> almost like prove them right which logically i don't even know if that makes sense but that's what i did i've definitely done that for things before <laughs> yeah. it makes sense i get it yeah and to your point about hype as well i would say I've, I've i like to think i've got like a aversion to hype which is why i still haven't watched squid games um even though i will but i haven't yet so that was another reason. But once I did, and we're going to get into the why, uh, I was just like, this is absolutely amazing. Way better than it even needs to be. And just amazing. Uh, so Wes, uh, I know you have some prior in experience with League of Legends in some form. Do you want to let us know how you came to this property, if not directly through the game itself? Um, yeah, sure. Actually, my, um, I mean, number one, it did take me a while because i don't i don't watch a lot of um um series i mean i I try to but i always as i was saying to taz earlier i always fall into like um youtube rabbit holes so it's like i always intend to watch something and then an hour hour and a half later i'm like oh i've just been like watching these random videos on youtube and then i end up going to bed and having to like you know start start over again but with league of legends i didn't really know anything about the the franchise until i actually so the company i work for or well my company are you responsible for that <laughs> yeah we were approached by um riot games to actually do a music video uh for them uh it was um the, the true damage so that's the first that was our first kind of like meetings with them um and we've worked we've worked since that that project we've worked with them for quite a i'd say sort of three maybe four years now like um, we did. We just finished another project with Riot Games. Well, we finished one with them last year. So he's working on a game called Valorant, which again was another new thing to me. But that name's like <laughs> um, that game's relatively new. But yeah, that's the first I'd ever heard of them. And even the way we were dealing with it, because we were doing de uh, doing a music video, we were kind of taking characters and making them like these kind of rap like pop stars. So we weren't even really delving deeply into the lore of the game. You know, it's almost like we were reinventing. Well, they reinvent the characters. We just had to kind of come up with like a music video concept for them to kind of sing and dance in and all that kind of stuff, which is really cool. So, um, yeah, and I think they've been doing these like these kind of 
they always do like I think either two or three videos a year where they they do one where it's like their characters and it's kind of like a music video where the characters kind of like rapping to or singing to screen. I think their most famous one is probably KDA, which is which was done by Fortiche actually. Oh, is that the uh, the K-pop? Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 and it's got like millions of views and still climbing. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Big fan of KDA. <laughs> yeah, that was um, you know, that was the first maybe big thing I'd seen from them. I didn't know they were doing this, and yeah, they've just been doing these videos since. And they also do ones that are like kind of directed that they're kind of they're pro players. So we did one of those as well, um, and that was done. I think it was the year before last um, called Takeover, where you know the pro player is kind of going through emotion and he's taking on the powers of the characters in the game, sort of thing. So yeah, that was just my like entry into this world sort of thing, and we we continue to have like a good relationship with with Riot, and we're you know continue to work with them. So yeah, it's it's it's, it's been really good, man. And I think it, it just so happened like Arcane. I think as Fortiche started doing Arcane, that's when we got our first job with them. So it's almost like a oh, okay. the timing was sort of great. You know, I don't think Fortiche have done any music videos apart from Enemy which is like directly from Arcane. They haven't really done any music videos with them for a few years. But I think recently online, I just saw that they've actually, you know, right, like have actually invested in them sort of thing to yeah, I saw that. work in their properties and stuff. Yeah. So, and they're, they're an amazing, sh- I mean, even before like they right, they are an amazing sh- sort of thing. So yeah, I, I love it when studios do that well, because it just, it just makes the industry better for everyone else, you know, when they, when you kind of elevate the game in that way. Yeah. So it's like, it, you know, it's healthy competition, I suppose, but it is like, you know, being a director and just loving animation and seeing people do that kind of stuff. It's like, it's really inspiring stuff, you know, yeah. it forces everyone else to, to push themselves. So There's definitely, I mean, we'll talk about it. There's definitely, as I was watching, I'm like, there's things that I mean, we don't do animation, but uh, I'm working on sort of my meta stories and I'm just like, oh, wait, I've got to do things differently. Actually, I've got to go back and look because what I'm seeing yeah. is so, I can't help but learn it and think, how can I apply what I'm seeing into my work. It's inspiring and sickening at the same time. Yeah. It's so, it's so okay, good. <laughs> it's not just me then. Yeah, okay. no, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think each episode I was watching, when I was when I watched it, like I've, I've only watched them, um, I've watched a couple of episodes more than once, but when I was, or I should say a couple of sequences, but when I was watching it, I think each episode took me at least an hour and a half to watch because I kept rewinding. I'm like, how, how did they do that? Like, how did they? It's like a, some, I'm partly like watching for the story, but then I guess the animator directed me is like going back and like, oh, that's a really good, te- I didn't think you could do that. That's a really good technique. And I like how they, they put that in there or, you know, um, so I was, I was watching it from like a, a consumer as well as like a, an anal- analytical lens. So yeah, we're going to get into all that. And uh, I guess before we continue, I just should say, just for people who don't know that uh, League of Legends uh, is a video game. So this is a video game uh, adaptation. It's a uh, 2009 multiplayer online battle arena or MOBA game uh, by Riot Games and is super popular. So it's one of the world's most popular uh, PC and esports uh, titles. And um, I remember, I think, Wes, at some point when we were talking about the music video, you were telling me about where it was shown for the first time or at, at an event. And I think you were showing me like uh, a clip of it and just the amount of people. Like, esports is massive, and this is like one of the biggest esports titles. So, just the scene of reaction to this game is just like amazing. So, like I said, it is a video game adaptation, but I almost feel, I mean, this is the best video game adaptation for me, like 
is like a it's the Usain Bolt of video game adaptations. It's not even close. Um, and I almost feels doing it a disservice to say it's a video game adaptation because that almost implies like it's good for a video game adaptation. But this is just good. And we're gonna no, it's just it's just a good series. Period. Yeah, and uh, as you mentioned, there have been uh, past animation shorts uh, done by uh, from this series or from this property. But this particular series, uh, so I was reading, was like six years in the making. So just to give people an appreciation for how long animation takes. And uh, from Christian Link, one of the uh, creators, he was saying that suddenly you, and this is comparing sort of a series to like the uh, music videos or the other shorts, like suddenly you had to, not to make two or three minutes, but six hours, uh, he says. So mm. it was just building everything again from the ground up, having to relearn tools because the tools they were working with didn't always work for big scale production like this. So that's why it took us six years. And I guess, uh, Wes, you have (laughs) the best appreciation for that out of us. Oh yeah, Um, yeah, definitely. I I think like, I mean, at the line, we're trying to develop our own IPs ourselves. And um, one thing that's very clear is that the pipeline that you would use for, you know, a short production where it's like three minutes or two minutes long, like it works for that, but when you're kind of doing like a full scale, um, you know, 30 minute, 40 minute piece, you in same sort of pipeline, like it's, mm-hmm. it's completely different. It's something that we're researching now, but even when we have projects that are slightly longer, so we did, um, I think it was last year or the year before, we did a project for Gorillaz where we did, I think it was like 14 music videos, I believe. 14, wow. Something like that. And it's, it's almost like, even though it's very short, the music videos are like, what, maybe two, three minutes each or something it's we had to change i mean i didn't direct it so you know one of my colleagues would probably tell you more about it than i could but i know they had to kind of change the way they work in order to get it done it wasn't as simple as like just doing a one-off three-minute thing it's a lot of like kind of balancing and you know overlapping of like processes in order to get that uh, kind of pipeline to work so yeah i can imagine how painful it is to do <laughs> you know uh, six hours of of animation yeah i mean so, I mean, let's get into it. And Taz, you might have to help me with this because I've got notes, I've got things I want to talk about, but I want to talk about everything. And I'm like, where do I start? <laughs> so um, you might have to help uh, sort of like direct me or if I go off in a random direction, uh, help us stay on track. For me, there's like just a, a couple of things that I really want to talk about. Mainly characters for me. Okay. All right, let's start with the world building. We'll paint yeah. the picture and then we'll go into uh, into the characters. So uh, I mentioned in the short description, this takes place in the city of Piltover and the undercity of Zorn. And it has this uh, tale of two cities. Uh, and when we talk about themes, we'll talk about like the duality of things where in this case, you have two cities. Piltover is the prosperous city, the, you know, above ground for one quite uh, wealthy and there's progress technological technological progress going on people are doing okay and then you have zorn which is the undercity it's darker uh, it's dangerous uh people aren't as prosperous and there's that uh not necessarily an outright war but in a metaphorical sense cities uh, at war and they intertwine uh, as do many of the characters who are for so from either uh, of those places so you have this thing about the privileged upper class versus the the underclass and i feel like we almost can't have a 
discussion about world building without going into like animation and art style and characters but you even have the cities reflected in the the colors and the animation filled over is like very bright um and then the under cities so very dark but even the the way the character uh, the the environments are reflected in terms of what's happening uh, around the characters it does such a good job of providing the the exposition that sometimes can be bogged down with dialogue um so dialogue exposition but this the whole thing is just such a good example of visual storytelling visual exposition was there for for either of you was there anything about the world that stuck out to you the most go on where's you go 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 for it Tess. no i'm still formulating thoughts so (laughs) Uh, anything that stuck out the most I mean, I guess, like like you said, the contrast between the two worlds, that's the first thing. It, it, it's made very clear. There's like a, a have and have nots in the way they kind of built the world. And you just look at, just by looking at it visually without anyone having to say anything, you know that like, you know, you've got this kind of higher echelon, upper class kind of society versus like, you know, this kind of poor, trying to make ends meet, you know, sometimes even delving into criminality Sort yeah. of society as well, and I think they just did that just really well, just by the way the the places look. And also, it was interesting seeing it because I've again I've worked with them, and even like some of the characters, you know, I mean, Echo is probably the only one I I I really recognise because um he he was in um, True Damage, like it was like mm-hmm. a bit of a redesign of him for that for that particular piece. So just seeing how he you know lived and. You know, even when you see him as a kid, I'm like, that is that Echo? That has to be Echo. And I almost forgot that he was in it because you didn't see him again until when he came up again. I was like, oh my God, it's Echo. Sort of thing. <laughs> I don't even know this character, but there's always, there's a bit of a, I don't know, I guess a bit of a connection with him because I've worked with him and had the team speak about him before as well, about his powers, what he can do, etc. But yeah, in terms of the world, I guess it's like, again, that duality of like, you know, like these two opposing people that have these completely different lifestyles and they don't seem to get on and don't actually see that none of this is actually an individual thing. It's just more of a, I guess, a social uh, classes thing that's kind of put them in these, in these types of positions. Tazzy, did you have your, your thought? Um, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think just agreeing with both of you about the, the duality and the way that they sort of really show these two like contrasting cities kind of the same city but divided uh (laughs) that then separate but um the other thing is like the bits that don't quite fit into the two part so i think the way that they like everything kind of happens within these two spaces but you still understand that there's a very big world outside of these two environments that you're you're shown um, mm. with very short clips from outside of of these two places. And I think that's what I'm gonna. <laughs> that's the point I'm gonna make, rather than just you know going over what we've already got over, um, because you know we're sort of we're briefly shown somewhere in the middle of like a cold blizzard somewhere (laughs) and then how that kind of like shows an outside world and also shows us magic which we don't see straight away 
And then we are shown the like a little glimpse of where one of the one of the not what are they called like board members what are they called oh, the council <laughs> the council that's one yeah, yeah. The board. Yeah. <laughs> we're briefly shown where one of the uh council members originates from i forgot her name or mel so, yeah we're briefly shown where she comes from and then obviously the city open opens up to all these connections and then you're sort of like seeing, oh yeah, the world outside. And also um, the little, the little council member, the head one, the like founder of the city. Oh, um, uh, Heimer yeah. Obviously he talks about like big bad magic. <laughs> mm. And you know, like the calamity of magic, it destroys everything and the outside world is, mm. that has magic is so dangerous and this is a haven. Da, da, da. Um, so we're sort of like shown... We're sort of like shown and told about how big the world is, but without this like Verbally, overbearing yeah, yeah exposition. And I think that's just really clever world building. Yeah. And even in the way we're introduced to the characters, because we see like uh, the main characters, yeah, I guess yeah, Vi, um, Violet and Powder at that stage and the the others in their uh in their group basically looking to steal things from the uh from Piltover. Um and the thing turns out to be, you know, sort of central to the whole sort of magitech and everything. Mm -hmm. So even at that and you you also see the impact that it has the explosive power that it has in the process of them trying to steal it. Mm -hmm. So you're shown like, you know, the position they're in that they're taking this risk. They're taking this risk because they have to. I guess because they want to also because Vi's trying to prove herself, but um, they have to. They have to go to this place to to steal. Like Wes was saying, if the resort to those means, you're introduced to the magic and the the power that it has. So it's it's setting everything up. And so this is a nine episode series, and it basically breaks down to sort of three episodes a piece, beginning, middle, and end. So those first three episodes really showcase like the world and I think any beginning of the story is about showcasing what the world is mm. and I think another thing they do really really well that kind of adds to that is this the way the characters move through the world like really really adds to the to the world building and storytelling especially in that first episode with the children yeah and how they move when they're in the upper city compared to the lower city and not just how they move, but like the transition, like, you know, how they go through the like sewage thing. Oh, yeah. And that whole sequence really helps to like paint the picture of these two really different worlds. And just generally how everyone sort of like moves through the world, really, if you take the time to know it. And even like later on, really sort of adds to the story. Like this, the, the whole thing is like everything's so subtly like just these small little pieces that create this bigger picture and everything's mm. so well placed and so well done yeah because i think like even with the hoverboards later on and how they move through the world yeah yeah we'll talk about that i've I got a bunch of questions for wes as well so um <laughs> I, I will say just on those those first three episodes and the idea of, of world builder where like in the beginning of your story you're like laying out the world as it is before 
you you change everything and arcane has a change where not just in terms of events but like tone as well and i think i think it was a i can't remember which episode we had someone on uh, i think it was uh des from burnout prior who said she'd only watched the first couple and wasn't really into it and this is a show where the tone changes on mm-hmm. episode three and I mentioned the, the podcast I was listening to that, that talked about episode three because the first two episodes is a much lighter tone and it kind of looks like, you know, you're, you're I wouldn't say average because it, it still looks uh, incredible <laughs> and stuff, but you're, you it's know. It's a whole different story. A whole like, different story. Because I, I think for me, the way I watched it was the first couple of episodes, I was like doing stuff. Well, the first episode I was like doing stuff and then I was like, I should actually pay more attention. So I kind of just done like less intensive stuff because <laughs> I knew obviously we was, I was watching it for the, for the podcast, but by episode, like f- episode three, it was like, I'm not doing anything. Yeah. Like, it's not even <laughs> a choice. <laughs> yeah. It's not a conscious, conscious choice. Full attention because I just have to this whole story is here and everything about it is like you are watching me and only me i have all your attention (laughs) you have no choice in the matter um and you are not gonna like you're gonna watch next episode every single time because i don't have autoplay on for netflix so i have to actively press the next episode button and i'm there like waiting for it to come up like (laughs) yeah okay can we (laughs) can i click it please (laughs) let's go let's go let's go (laughs) so i mean like wes as you were watching it you're particularly those those first three episodes or from you know episode one to two and then the change in tone for three did you have a change in feeling about the show in terms of like how you felt you would respond to it and then did that change for uh episode three Definitely. I mean, I, I mean, I really like it um, when you watch something and, and, and characters actually grow, whether it's in a, and I don't just mean in terms of their mentality and stuff, but also just physically and, you know, what, what comes with that, you know, there's a big difference between navigating the world at, you know, 12 years old and 17, 20 years old. So I always find that really interesting. And I know it's, it's happened quite quickly in this, like you might watch something like, I don't know, Gurren Lagann or Dragon Ball and you see the characters grow up over a few years whereas this is like a few episodes but mm. um i didn't expect because again i didn't know who vi and and jinx were i mean i've seen them in like trailers and you know league of legends kind of like short but i didn't know who they were of course so when i was watching me. it yeah so when i was watching it i was kind of like blind i didn't really see any links it's only when it, you know episode four on i'm like oh that must be the girl with the fist the big hands and that must be <laughs> oh that's the one with the rocket sort of thing but um the thing that i think the thing that got me hooked because i i remember trying to watch it the first time and i was quite busy and i must have watched about the five ten minutes and i, I stopped and i left it for a couple of weeks but i'm like no i really have to go on this because i do love four teacher stuff it's just that i didn't have time i wasn't making time to to watch it but the the bit that actually got me hooked was the first, you know, when the kids have just come back from stealing mm. that fight. I, oh, yeah. yeah. That was an amazing fight sequence. Yeah, that got me hooked because I was like, this feels very, um, not that I love violence, but it felt very, <laughs> every, every punch and every... It has weight. Yeah. It, has, yeah. <laughs> it, it felt really, it felt like they had this was choreographed by like 
I don't know, Donnie Yen or something. It, it just felt <laughs> really like, oh my God, this is like a, this is a real fight. They're not, you know, they can actually get really hurt sort of thing. It's not like a, it wasn't a cartoon fight as such. And it wasn't like these, um, don't get me wrong, I like, I love big Sakuga fights in anime. Like, mm. I, I love that stuff. But I'm saying, when I saw this, you're, you're seeing teeth flying out and people, you know, even some of the way they did fight, like some of them were, Vi was like really like a proficient fighter sort of thing. You, you can see she can box and where some of them, mm. I think there was one scene where one of the characters, they, they hit someone as they were falling down with their, they went to hit them with their fist, but they hit them with their wrist instead. They're like their, um, their forearm. You don't hit people with your forearm. But it, it felt quite clumsy as well. It felt like how someone would fight. It's someone who doesn't know how to fight, how they would fight. Like you was literally watching a street brawl like happen. It was yeah, real with, life, with, right? <laughs> yeah, with 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 children almost. Mm. And I think capturing that in the animation is like you have to be. I mean, they're, they're really good animators. Like the level is just like, and I'm like, wait, all this in the TV series? Like, what's going on? Like, how much it's money ridiculous. did they spend on this? Sort of thing? <laughs> and I think from then I was like. And every every kind of scene from the subtle to the, you know, the big kind of action set pieces just got better and better, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was actually from the first episode in that fight scene. And then when, obviously, you know, episode, end of episode three, start of episode four, I was like, wait, what? And, it, and the tone does completely change. And it's like, you almost, it's almost like you get, like, the first three episodes is like one series. And the last lot is like another series yeah. sort of thing. Like it's, it's, it's so good, man. It's, it's really good. It is. And because by that point, we're introduced to, to Vi, to Powder, uh, to Milo, to Klagger, Vanda as well. So we, we're seeing everyone. And then you get the, you're seeing like the, like you say, the violence, you've seen the weight to everything. And then with the tone, when yeah. people people die <laughs> in that third episode. And you're also already like, episode one you're already attached to these characters i don't know how they managed to get me so attached to characters so quickly and then just remove them (laughs) but like in a way that you're still feeling it are we are we going into characters now because should we go do you want to go into characters and then i I feel we're going to be jumping back and forth in this anyway but all right (laughs) So I've mentioned some of the characters, um, and and Tazzy, you said you had some specific thoughts about the characters. Do you want me to do you want me to start us off? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I could I could say like this is a show. I mean, everything about this show is great, but as we talk about the characters, the characters are very well written, animated, and acted, and they have like really good arcs. I think that's the thing for me. And we'll talk about sort of different characters where everyone is introduced in one way and you see people develop and that that surprised me because you see complexities come out in the characters even characters that i personally didn't think were about anything in particular from episode one by the mm. end i'm like this is a great character <laughs> this is all the characters are amazing so yeah tazzy what what stood out to you about that so i, I agree with you with like all the characters like having having these arcs and these elements and it's someone that you might think is like insignificant still like there's no kind of maybe there's like there is very 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 few like completely throwaway characters in this they all kind of like come back in a way or like and they're not just like this same character is now the same character when you meet them again they all like change everyone 
you know, naturally, like how you naturally would in the real world. Everyone sort of changes. But, oh my God, literally every the characters are so good in this. <laughs> Where do you but start? I'm going to just, I'm going to, I'm going to start with my favorite. And, you know, if I'm picking a favorite with <laughs> Silco. Oh. Is by far, <laughs> like, by far my favorite character. I'm not mad at that. So Silco is actually one of the characters where when he's first introduced, I was like, oh, I know who this character is. This is, this is the bad guy who's just bad. Because I didn't he's... like him. I was like, oh, he's yeah. exactly that. He's just bad. He's just bad for the sake of being bad. He's just the bad guy. They needed a villain. Like, but he is not. He, uh, he's, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so how do his... i do this without yeah. making a whole episode about silco <laughs> so like 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 you said like he first comes in and he's just like the bad guy he's the villain he's re- like i think in the the first point you meet him is like working on this serum yep uh, shimmer shimmer yeah that like mutates you i call them shimmer zombies <laughs> <laughs> And like mutates you, makes you like super powerful, but you're essentially like a powerful zombie. I don't know. <laughs> you kind of lose. Yeah. You're super yeah. powerful, but you kind of like lose your your sensibilities, and and it just seems like he doesn't care. He just seems to not care about human life and whatever. And and then you're in. You think he's just like the the vil- villain, and then you find out that he's the brother of uh, what is his name? Vanda. Vanda. He's like he's like the daddy of the underworld. It's the only way I can could explain it. He's like looking up, making sure like the underworld isn't <laughs> taken over, basically by taken over by over. yeah. Um, and looking after everyone keeps the peace you know make sure people don't get like arrested and taken whatever you know like stick to their own he's like the godfather right (laughs) and you think he's this super nice guy (laughs) because he does nothing but protect everyone but then he's got history he's got (laughs) history so silco you think silco's just attacking them that they're known they're like enemies but then you find out they're brothers and everything changes like my opinion on both of them changes mm. and then you know you find out like Silco's the younger brother oh my god <laughs> <laughs> and they've they've like had like sibling clashes death match. And... <laughs> sibling death match i think is the word <laughs> death match okay we're going to... and Silco's really hard done by this but you know it is kind of, there is still love there, but the older brother's got like this weight of trying to look after this whole city, but neglected, kind of neglected his brother. And, and then Silco takes it really hard and then takes it the wrong, wrong way. Well, is it really a wrong way? He has like a reasonable a, a reaction. Way. Yeah. And, and essentially become like, that's his villain origin story. <laughs> but then. But then Powder <laughs> and Powder and, and her, her transition to Jinx is also amazing. Love her. And her situation with her sister V, who V just really is just looking out for us, just wants to protect her sister. But Powder doesn't understand this because she's just this little kid. And then Silco's the there. And 
initially he's not thinking like a good thing like i'm sure he's gonna kill her or whatever but she's so upset that she hugs him and i like in my head that that was also the right thing to do because i was like i just i was there with her crying like I was mad at her because I was like, you should have just done what your sister said. But, <laughs> and I was like, but I feel you, girl. And, I, and then like Silco's just there and I'm like, she just needs a hug and everyone just needs a hug. And then Silco, you see it. You see it. The animation is beautiful. Like you, you see the expression. Changes. Everything changes for him. Yeah. And suddenly he's like, I need to protect this child. And he becomes a father. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like... You talked about like the the animation and the expressions. Like Wes, what did you? Or I mean, first, what do you think about those characters? But also in the way they there's so much expression in this animation that just conveys character just all the way throughout. Yeah, I feel like the character animation. This is a masterclass. An actual masterclass. Like not even a, un, that's not even an understatement. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's just. Uh, I mean, you know, I I mean the kind of animation I do. I've never really had to kind of convey emotion as such. Um, I think because of the type of work that my company does, it's mostly, well, at least the kind of work I do, I should say, not the company. Um, it's mostly um, broad strokes. So you kind of get an idea of what the character's thinking or feeling in very, very broad strokes. Cause you only got like three minutes and stuff. But whereas this, like you get to kind of go into the nuances and stuff. And one of the, one, a really standout scene for me is when you first meet, um, I mean, there's loads, but the one that, I, that always comes to mind is when you first beat Jinx for the first time. And there's something that she does. Okay. So when she's first introduced, because she's got, I guess she's got this kind of, she's, she almost feels like what Harley Quinn should be, you know? Mm. If, yeah, I did. Right? Yeah, a I lot just of Harley that. Quinn vibes. Yeah, yeah. But I also had to check myself because I, I, initially I was like, oh, this is just like a Harley Quinn thing, but it's not, not to, dismiss either one of them but it's, just, it's different it's there are similarities but it's, it's different and they're both like no they're, they're definitely they're definitely different but there's something about her. yeah definitely so when she first came on and she was like, oh hello and she comes through the smoke sort of thing i was like okay i thought that was her just being cool you know like i'm not bothered i can take on everything but there's something that she does where she um i think it's the scene when she starts shooting everyone in that scene and then she almost kind of ruins the mission and then her um I can't remember uh, what Silco's like right hand. Yeah, um, oh, I've forgotten her name. We'll we'll get that, but I know who you mean. Yeah, like she kind of pauses, like what you sort of doing. Yep. The way she like watch that scene again. The way she turns around, she's looking. So, and I kept going over the scene. She's kind of looking down, and she kind of looks up, but she doesn't look. She doesn't look at her face. She looks almost at her neck first. It's a really subtle eye movement, like she's looking through her. Mm. And to capture that in animation, like, I'm like, so she, she, she kind of looks at her. She, she looks at like her neck area first, almost around her mouth. So she's not looking at her, her face. And then she looks at her eyes, but her eyes are really open. She's kind of looking like, she's kind of blankly staring at her. And she, she kind of tilts her head and does this like little smile. And that told me that this, this woman hasn't, she's missing some marbles. There's like this, there's something <laughs> off about her. Yeah. And, to, and they captured it in that it's not, it's, not, it's not what she does or how she kills people. It's that one thing where someone is talking to her and it's almost oh, like she's she not, yeah, she's not engaging with this person like a normal, I don't want to say normal, but like a, a person that's probably socialized with engaging with someone. Does that yeah. make sense? Well-adjusted. And you, 
Yeah, it's really... She's not neurotypical, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, so... yeah it's, a, it's a very, very tiny thing that they do with her eyes and her body language and stuff. And that told me everything I need to know about her. And everything she does after that point was never betrayed that first feeling I got when I mm. saw how she acted in that first moment. And <sighs> that to me is like, it was, it was beautiful. It was like, it was just like a, an amazing scene. And it's so subtle. It wasn't big explosions. It wasn't, it was just very subtle eye darts and slight tilt of the head where she's looking, you know, just very, and it's a very, very small scene as well. Like it goes past in, in seconds. And it's like, yeah, like that told me everything I need to know about this character. Yeah. I completely agree. Like, if you took all the non-violent Jinx moments, you would get everything. You would know she's violent, for one. <laughs> but <laughs> you would still, get... You'd still, you'd still get it, you know? Yeah, you'd get everything about it. Is that the, the eye movements, her body, like her body language, and that, that thing they do, you know, when she's sort of like having a, a, a tick, she like, it like jumps where she's positioned. And then you get all the the like like neon hand drawn kind of symbols. Yeah. Like, oh my god. Do you know the thing the thing that I when I was watching this, I was like, they've somehow like made in in a visual way what happens in my brain. <laughs> and I don't think I'm supposed to relate to Jinx this much. <laughs> but I was like, I get you. <laughs> right and it's and it's also like that's another thing as well it's like you're relating to someone that you're not supposed to relate or you understand on some level someone that you're not really supposed to understand and that's what makes a a character like her so compelling and like, as you said about Silco he's not just you think he's like this evil slimy kind of guy but actually when you kind of look at his backstory and then as things go on you actually realize that he actually really does love Jinx as his own sort of thing and that's something that putting that to into a character it makes them real it makes them like it makes you conflicted it's like i don't like you and i like what you're doing but i un i understand you i, I kind of get yeah, it I know like i wish you would just not yeah i wish you would just go about this in another way and maybe we could go for a drink or something but you're yeah, not sure we could talk really out. Like, yeah exactly exactly and i felt even when like jinx had a like really conflicting like she was confused she's like i don't i don't know like who who's who's right like who cares about me like i you can really feel it i was like i don't is silco does silco really love i don't i don't know you, yeah you do question it and, yeah. and, until the end even yeah, yeah. and yeah. i think it does a really it does it really well to keep you along that journey with jinx even though you have more information than jinx and i think that is so difficult to do to not have you there like i know what's going on I would say for like Virginia, because uh, and we, we talked about episode three, but just to go back to it for a second, just to give context as we're talking about Jinx, even though if you're listening, we really should have watched it by now. So I'm just going <laughs> to, um, but <laughs> just for the, the discussion. So, because what we've seen in the first two episodes is, as we say, as we said, Powder sort of try and be part of the group. And one of the things that she does do is make these like explosives or try to make these explosives that don't work, that continuously don't work. She keeps failing. She keeps trying. And she's been teased as well as being like not not ready for the work that the group are doing. So then one of the things in terms of tone that shifts in episode three is we see Vanda, who is, like we said, trying to keep the peace. And there's an uneasy, an uneasy peace between so him 
keeping the, the officers of uh, Piotrovo who are coming down like to crack down on uh, on Zorn at bay. And then, as we've seen with Silco developing the Shimmer, we see it working. And one of the officers, uh, well, one of the the people he's using for an experiment goes off and kills one of the officers. And there's just this like tonal shift from there. But then later in the episode, we see Vandar kidnapped, basically taken. We see uh, some of the kids sort of with him, trying to get him to escape. And then once once they've gone off, they've told powder at that stage to stay back because that's when uh, Vi has sort of in a way snapped and she's well not snapped but she's admitted like powder's not ready you know you stay home so powder's in this state where it's like she's been rejected she's been told she's not good enough and she just wants to prove herself so that's what she's going to do she's going to take it on upon herself to go and show that her her bombs her explosives work so just the key thing about this episode is i mean there's so many things but in terms of her using the explosives to help, or what she thinks she's doing is helping, everything works, but the explosion kills Milo and Klagger and Evander. And the thing is, like, she did it. So as you're watching, you're in this situation where, because in a moment she's happy, she's like, finally, my explosive mm. work, not knowing she's killed everyone. And you're it's thinking... that moment that she finds out. She finds out. And then as you're watching, it's like, what do you do? Because that's a, that's the worst thing that you've done. But I understand what you are trying to do. And I don't know what to, I understand what Vi is doing. Because what can you, what can you say? You've killed people. Like that's, it's just like a, it's such an emotional thing as you're watching. Mm. And such a, as well as a tonal shift, the way they've linked it to just emotion. And you as a viewer, I don't know what to think. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just on that point. So Jinx is obviously quite naturally traumatized and, you know, being from the lower city, I don't think she had any access to any mental oh, health care. And was shortly found by Silco, uh, not exactly the best person to father <laughs> <laughs> as he carries his own trauma. Yeah, exactly. And... Clearly, powder is not neurotypical from the get-go. Because she's already been through trauma of losing her yeah, parents. Of and... Her, yeah, and witnessing all of that like as a little kid. And she has this issue of like not ever feeling good enough and being the jinx. But then the way she takes the fact that she is the person who killed her two friends is <laughs> they then like are always with her and are like, essentially voices in her head to the point where she has like she's like made like dolls of them they are quite literally always with her and it contributes a lot to like how she communicates with other people which she's fyi not the best at doing <laughs> <laughs> but she figures that out her way I forgot where I was going with that, but it's quite sad. There's some moments where she's like talking to, um, is it Milo? Well, yeah. not the, Milo's the, one the in idea of Milo. Yeah, yeah it was calling her jinx. <laughs> yeah, and um, her process and stuff is like that. All all of the the stuff they said to her is just there in the back of her mind constantly, and everything she does is like either to prove or is undermined by stuff they said but then you've got like the balance of like Silco just 
completely believes in her and trusts her and yeah everything like yeah. um and even with the because i wanted to touch well we can talk about other characters as well but just on the animation in terms of like jinx and the way they uh showed her i guess journey through sort of mental illness if that's the right way to phrase it like it the animation style really kind of hones in on that and and showcases that and just in general with the animation because it and ways you can sort of shed light on this in terms of like the the animation style because for one it's just amazing and the level of like detail in this over the whole thing is just is un, just unreal like I, I haven't seen anything in terms of like animation just general style like haven't seen anything like this since spider-man into the spider-verse and because i feel we've become so used to just pixar so animation is like pixar is like disney uh or, or pixar and this is just something so different and such quality where is it is it 2d is it 3d like how do you have any like insight on how the animation was produced i i mean yeah i mean i pro, i predominantly work with uh, uh 2d 2d like hand-drawn animation i have had some 3d in my projects but i usually if i'm directing i just tell someone what i want and they do like <laughs> all the heavy lifting in terms of like how to make it work there is a project i'm working on currently that that has you know that is probably using some of that technique but i think it's like they're they're literally kind of painting uh like textures on a kind of on on top of 3d 3d geometry i don't know exactly exactly how it's done but it's not like the typical as you said how maybe like you know what we're used to seeing in the cinema with like the likes of pixar and and dreamworks and stuff not that that stuff is bad or anything like that but i think definitely definitely um um what's happening now is that because I, I think with 3d you can you can literally do anything now you can make you can make something look completely for a real you can make it look really graphic um and i think even like what pixar and disney are doing, I, I, I i just finished watching um well i watched it recently uh, turning red and even as yeah, even the style in that is quite, you know, they're like they're leaning hev- heavily into like you know more graphic shapes and maybe just doing things that you know you probably don't associate with 3D. I actually think that the first time I probably saw a studio like that attempt things like that was Sony in um, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, where they really oh, okay. pushed yeah they really pushed the shapes and you know it's 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 3D still, but they they're really using that kind of I don't know, I guess Tex Avery, kind of Warner Brothers, uh, you know, uh, Chuck, yes. Chuck Jones sort of yeah, style. Yeah, yeah, oh wow, that's yeah, flashback. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. So uh, so I think um, with this, you know, I think since Spider-Verse, I think people are realizing animation can, you know, we're, I think the, we're, we're just starting to catch on, at least in the West. I mean, Japan has been doing it for years. Like, like animation can be for mature audiences, and we do we will pay for it we will go to the cinema to watch these things just as like games you know most of the people that probably grew up playing mario kart and sonic and all those kind of games they've grown up to be the developers now and they're creating games like the last of us and you know and i think it's the same thing is starting to happen with animation and i think um spider-verse definitely i would say commercially opened the door door to that i don't think there's anything like that commercially but then You've got guys like um, I don't know if you've heard of a, an animator director called uh, Alberto Miogo. So he did. Um, if you ever watched uh, Love, Death, and Robots, he did uh, the one, the Witness. 
and he was like an art director on Spider-Verse as well, like in the early stages and stuff. And a lot of his, like some of the really cool shots and kind of concepts like actually came from him. And I think people are kind of catching on to that kind of mature sort of animation style, which, um, you know, 4T should definitely, definitely bring to the table as well. And um, yeah, just in terms of techniques, I think it kind of marries this sort of like these kind of traditional, what you'd see in like, Disney animation as early as like, you know, the 1940s, 50s and stuff with the nine old men making things like Snow White and that way it's kind of, it's got this really new, nuanced, like smooth animation, but it also has the sensibilities of like a Japanese anime, Hong Kong cinema film as well. And I think um, I've I've always felt like uh, French animators or that kind of industry, they've always been able to bring the best of both worlds. So they're, they're, they're bringing that kind of Japanese action cinematography to it while bringing the acting and the kind of emotional resonance you have like that they, 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 they can put in these characters and the acting and stuff so yeah that's why it was it's just so so fun like so fun to watch because they're just they're just taking everything and making it their own and and you know like uh, forging apart so I think they're working I've I, I heard they're working on a season two I'm not sure if I've got that correct but I think I think that's been yeah. confirmed uh, or at least I hope we better be. <laughs> I mean, I, I I hope after season two they just like just go and do a movie of this. I will definitely go and watch it. Yeah, sure. I um, will pay absolutely. I yeah. will get popcorn. Yeah, uh, <laughs> drink extra large. Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> everything. <they're> just... <laughs> I'm there for it. Because honestly, like the just yeah, the animation is is just. It's just incredible. You can, I mean, we've said this about like Japanese anime and Miyazaki and your name uh, as well, where you can just like freeze it and just like, that's a picture you can hang that uh, on the wall. But then it even goes to the level of like character specific. So we talked about the the nuance and everything and just the way characters move. So we've seen like Victor in terms of his sort of jittery motion to match his uh, disability. We've seen, we talked about Silco and the way he moves around like a predator is sort of quite like yeah just like slimy <laughs> that's the yeah that's a good yeah. word yeah yeah like that vandar uh who i really like i like i like that character because he's the because he's big he's like you know a big bear protecting everyone but also as a, as a character he's the person who has like we said has history he's put it aside and you kind of think like oh he's just like the the soft guy until the moment where he needs to go back to that <laughs> to that person to be in that person. He's like, I've, I've hung up my my gloves, but you're making me come back. <laughs> like I need to <laughs> go and do that to protect the people, the people that I love. So uh, I like that that character. I mean, spoiler alert: we're not going to get to everything in this because there's just so much to talk about. But uh, we'll, we'll cover what we can with the time we have. Where I could talk about Silco for ages. Uh, I'm going to try and spread it around to other characters. But I would happily come do a whole episode. Yeah, on I mean, it's, it's like mm. <laughs> honestly. So one of the the really interesting ones we talked about, Hermedinger, who I I found really interesting because so on the council you have these different counselors, and uh, Jace is a character who, who with Victor is developing the uh, the hex tech. So Magitech in this uh, there is Magitech in this world, and these two are developing. Uh, Magitech for use of what they think is uh, helpful defensive uh, things 
ductility and, and by no means uh, offerings, even though I don't know how they couldn't see how these could be useful. <laughs> I love how naive Jace is. I know, like he's so ridiculously like naive. Even when he's showing V the gloves and he's like, yeah, they're for mining. And V's like, like really? He's like, she's like, no, my, like I've seen these before. They're not for mining. Like, like they're, they're for mining. They were for mining. Maybe they were. <laughs> not now. <laughs> so you have uh, Jason, Victor, and they're about progress. And they even they you know they also have their own motivations, and they sort of diverge as the story progresses. But then Herman Digger brings that long perspective, and it's like he's the one saying, "Be careful! Like constantly, be careful! Slow down!" Like, Jace, I want to help people. I want to make an impact, like, right now, you know, because he's human. Like, uh, Hermendinger isn't human. So he lives a longer time and he has that perspective. He's seen things like this go wrong. Jace is like, I'm on the human timeline. Like, I'm trying mm. to do something now. And just watching that that conflict just happen, uh, and it's kind of sad how it ended, but just watching that conflict happen and, and understanding both sides of it. And that's what I love about this. Like we keep saying the duality of it, just I understand both sides. I understand like you have this power uh, to help people and you want to go and, and make something happen. But then, you know, we've seen it in, in, in our world, like with say the internet or social media, where it's power to, to help people and it, and it brings things. But it can easily be used for um, nefarious means and is. And um, Hermendinger has lived long enough to see that and he's bringing that so you can understand what he's saying, mm. even though it, it conflicts and you don't know where to land. Like, <laughs> I think with Hermendinger as well, like he he's lived so long and he sees it and he, of course he sees it from his like long life perspective. And obviously Jace gets really frustrated because like I'm, I'm human timeline. Yeah, you've, we only live now, like <laughs> these are yeah. moments. But Hermendinger has kind of forgotten as well, like yeah. that human life is so short, and he's so trapped in his fear that he's like stopping. Especially when we first meet him, is very much like anti-Magitech, and he's like stopping the progress out of fear rather than taking the time to understand where Jace comes from. And as we go on, he's like reconnecting with the city and then yeah. like right at the end when he gets sort of like voted out of the council and he goes to the lower city and realizes how disconnected from this city that was meant to be united and meant to be like a great utopia um they're so far removed that actually all his like knowing has and all his like fear has actually then created this disproportionate separation of wealth and that there's all these people struggling and he's actually like, oh, damn, like, mm. what have I created? What have I, done, what have I yeah. ignored? Yeah, like, I've, I've been so caught up in the fear. Um, and then, obviously, Echo... Yeah, he gets a second chance. Goes back, yeah, and then... Oh, now I'm excited for the second season! Yeah, season. <laughs> <laughs> So we, we talked about the council and for, I can't talk about the council without mentioning another character who, like I said, some characters when I f was first introduced to them, I thought, oh, they're just a one note character. And the other one as well as Silco for me was Mel. Yes. So I thought Mel was just the, so, I mean, she is a, like a, a cunning political operator, but I thought she was just like the manipulator. We see her 
she in a way latches onto Jace. She's kind of she sees she sees that she can mold him for I mean her own purposes, but also also you know she's probably thinking about uh, Piltova as as a whole, as you later find out. And I thought, okay, so this is who that character is. But then we see her backstory, and then we see her mother, uh, Mbessa, <laughs> and then we see her motivations for why she is like she is, and then it kind of yeah. makes a change in terms of who she is and why she's doing the things she's doing, and then she becomes like a whole different character. I'm like, this character's yeah. amazing. Because <laughs> she starts off like, you think she's quite, you think she's quite sleazy. Like, yeah. she thinks she's quite a like, Hor- not horrible but like she's a like greedy poli- selfish like just, yeah everything that's wrong with politics but then it kind of takes like it does a complete 180 and she's like actually really caring yeah. <laughs> and that whole motivation is is kind of quite um wholesome and <laughs> yeah because even when she's getting closer to jace just think this is just a part of the manipulation but then find out oh there's some genuine thing in there and yeah uh, yeah i mean wes i don't know what you think about that character or any other character that <laughs> uh that stood out to you i don't know if i had i don't know if i had any favorites as such i did like i mean i really did like vice character actually i think i just liked how um like ballsy she was like she was really even that there's the, the fight scene where she kind of walks up i think you know in episode three where she's having to kind of like stall like that the bridge where she's having to stall all those guys oh yeah she kind of walks up to that guy sort of thing and you're thinking she's that ready. she's gonna get you but you're thinking i was thinking she's gonna get beaten up because this guy's like massive and then he knocks her out with one like she knocks him <laughs> out with like one like one solid uppercut and it's like oh wow like, like she's really about <laughs> it sort of thing and she's just like going for it and like and she's always like you know like every time she like she's got this kind of hard exterior but then there's also something like really soft about her as well and mm. you know and also like uh the i guess i like the relationship between her and uh caitlin yeah oh my god yeah, i really like <laughs> i liked i really liked their relationship as well don't even get me really started like... on the relationship between them <laughs> oh god it's so well written oh my god yeah it's really really well written and just that that, that undertone of like you know they've got like feelings for each other but it never they kind of don't really cross, they don't really cross that line just yet sort of thing. It's just like it, it, it makes you wonder what's going to happen between them. Like, you know, who's it holding back out. and who's going to be like, yeah, exactly. And it's like a, in a really nice sort of way, like you want it to happen, but you, mm. but if they give it to you, then you're like, no, why are they doing that? They're ruining everything. It's almost like a really nice, um, like, I think it's the way they, they handled that. Quite realistic as well. Yeah. Because it is, obviously they are literally the complete opposite <laughs> in every way except determination that is the thing they have in common but um in terms of like the upbringing the lives they've lived their dispositions like they are so different and i think it navigates that relationship really well because i think too often you have that in a show or a story and then they're just like oh yay these opposites opposites attract you know and they're magically mm, just fit together like yeah <laughs> <laughs> and all is well and it's like no like this is genuinely like them navigating how different their lives are and like how that feels to not to not know what you do have and not know what you don't have i like i've personally definitely been in relationships where i've 
felt like the V in the situation where it's like you have no idea what it's like oh, yeah. to live this life. You have no mm. idea like the hardships that I've had to go through. Meanwhile, like someone that has privileges, they don't even understand. Like they don't even know because they've never seen they never had the world yeah. outside of how they experience it. And they're meaning well, but just really not getting it. And, it, and it's a difficult position to be in if you really care about someone, the way they, they navigate that. Also, I just love the way that V's just constantly calling Caitlin Cupcake. cupcake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think there's a few like key moments in that relationship. Like one in particular is where, where V was in was in trouble and uh, Caitlin needed to get the, uh, I'm going to say Alexa. I can't remember what the specific thing was. Oh yeah, like the the whatever the concoction of yeah the, yeah magic that's a good one too yeah yeah herbs and whatever yeah used. and she had to ex make the exchange and by that point in the story we had seen her flashback we'd seen her because even though Caitlin is naive in some senses in in terms of like being in the, the undersea and everything she's competent like we've seen her mm. she she knows what she's doing in that sense and we see the flashback where she's a good shot and she's got her rifle. And then we have that moment where she needs to get this thing to save uh, Vi and there's an exchange that needs to be done and something of value. And when the person or the thing, creature, I don't know, person, um, was like eyeing up her, her gun, there was a moment where Caitlin was like, I'm not sure about this. And then the person kind of drew back the, the concoction and then immediately came yeah, like, just give like... up. Yeah, give up the thing. And because and, by that point, again, the storytelling in this is amazing. We've seen what it means to her. Like it, it has meaning. We've seen it. We've seen her be a good shot. We've seen it. I think it was like there's a family photo somewhere where there's that rifle is there. It means something. Yeah. But she's given it up to protect Vi as well. And again, just amazing storytelling. And I think what's interesting about Caitlin's character as well, even though she is very privileged and a lot of stuff has just been handed to her and she's very protected from how life is outside of... Probably outside what even um, being in such a prestigious family is like, even in the upper city. Yeah. It's, she's not lazy and she's not... She's yeah, not, she does the work. She doesn't choose ignorance. Like, she is very much willing... Like, she, like you said, she does the work and she is very much willing to learn. She's not like... A privileged person that's like i am privileged and i'm happy to be ignorant <laughs> and no like she she actually hates that she's so privileged and she actually wants to mold her own life and learn and i think that adds to their their connection and just her like the way she navigates the world yeah makes her such an interesting character so Two things I wanted to make sure we get to is one is favorite moments, even though like uh, episode one to nine favorite moment, but <laughs> we can uh, yeah, we're we're every single second <laughs> yeah, of the yeah, show. Yeah, uh, and then any themes and takeaway. Oh, we'll leave the themes to the end. We'll we can go into favorite moments because that kind of ties into characters and anyone we might not have mentioned yet might get a, a look in here. But if you haven't <laughs> been able to tell already, uh, we love everything. So, so I'm going to use this uh, favorite moments to come back. Uh, to Silco, um, because there's one moment in particular where actually there's uh, there's many moments. There are two moments I was thinking of, but with Silco, it's <laughs> so devious. Like so, Silco, uh, is, you know, once Vanda is out of the picture, becomes 
uh, sort of leader of the of the underworld. Uh, things take a turn. I kind of liken it a bit to um, when Scar takes over in in Lion King, where things don't always all go like rosy. Things take a downward turn, and you realize what the other guy was doing. I feel, <laughs> um, I feel like you've just offended Silco, and um, I, pro- I probably have. <laughs> um, I'm not happy with you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, because like Shimmer comes up, it becomes more prominent. Uh, people, people are suffering, and uh, but the moment I wanted to get to is because he has some power in the offices in the, I guess, the police force. There's a particular officer, Marcus, who I think has assured him that that Vi is not in the picture, and then Silco is obviously upset to learn that she has returned. Marcus himself, again, every character has there's meaning, so he's the the corrupt cop basically but he he feels it like you can see he feels it so there's a scene where he goes home and i think he like rips off his badge he, he puts it down or he slams it down rather he's like you know you can feel it the the whole situation weighing on him and then again to the point about the the nuance in the animation and the facial expressions he has a daughter so you see him being down but then his face changes when he remembers like oh i've still got my daughter let me go and check in mm-hmm. on her so he goes to his daughter's room opens the door you see her just through the creek you see her playing with the blocks opens it a bit more there's silco and it's such a powerful moment when you talk about like villains like because mm. it without saying anything because number one is my home like i locked the door how did you get in <laughs> <laughs> like just just on that bat but the idea that like it's such a human thing like home like when you go into your house you're safe so your guard is down yeah yeah so when you go into your house and silco is just there just playing with with your daughter that just says everything without saying anything and then they have this whole conversation about you know <laughs> uh it's, it's just it's just a, such a a frightening moment oh but just a great moment marcus well, not, and silco are kind of like on really similar paths though how so because I don't know if you remember, but Marcus is actually the officer that was there. Oh, of course, in the first. In the first yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. And they both, like, so Silco essentially thinks he can yeah. do a better job than his brother, and Marcus thinks he can, think do, he can do a better, better job than, than yeah, yeah. his um, predecessor. predecessor. I, I liked her too, as well, actually. Yeah, but then they essentially both became the people mm. they thought they could do better than. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Anyone else have any? Oh, and another just silver moment. Uh, so when the other um, underworld bosses tried to take over, or the one in particular. Um, yes, I, I love, I love that moment. <laughs> I love the moments where the upstarts think they can take over, and then the guy in charge, uh, or the girl in charge, has to remind them, "No, this is why I'm in charge. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, you're not going anywhere. I, I keep the order here." He <laughs> just turned that situation on them so well. Do you know what? Because that's nearly one of my favorite moments. Do you know why I love that so much? Because Silco actually just is fully relying on faith there. Yeah. Like he isn't a hundred percent sure that he's not going to get betrayed, and you see it in every moment. And then they just they say it outright, but just in case you 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 missed <laughs> that he wasn't sure. Mm. <laughs> and I think that's what makes that scene so magic. Is that mm. his he's like yeah like loyalty is yes is the one thing and you you lot don't remember what it was like <laughs> and then you see him like i kind of i held my breath and it felt like the show held its breath because <laughs> we weren't sure which way it was gonna go 
in that moment. And then, yeah, and then, oh. <laughs> uh, Wes, what do, you, what do you think? Is it what, I mean, if you're able to pick out something, like favorite moment, favorite episode? It's, it's really difficult. I suppose. It really the, is. Again, um, the one, I think when Jinx fakes, makes her first entrance and just how she's moving in it, like, just says everything about her. And I, I suppose um, there was, um, I think that I love the fight scene between, um, I can never remember Silco's, the one the one with the robot oh, arm, and she was uh, fighting so, by in, in the bar. Oh, yeah. Yes, Savika. Yeah, that yes. scene. That was a hard that fight. Was like, yeah, it was really, really hard. But like, again, it's something I liked about Vi. She pushes through, mm. no, like, no matter what what happens sort of thing and like she just kind of like decimates her at the end and stuff but it was like really intense and the, the fights aren't just i mean i love action and stuff but they're not just action for action's sake it's like it's got like a no a story point and it tells you something about the character mm. when they're doing these things even how they move in there yes but yeah it's really hard to to pick out um i also liked when she was um there's this, the scene where Vi was uh i think she was giving silco the, the, the injection in his eye but you, you almost not vice, sorry, oh, jinx. jinx. And it also, it feels like she's. You're wondering what she's going to do next. That's the other thing about her as well. It's like, <laughs> it's what uneasy. are you? <laughs> yeah, you feel so uneasy. It's like, what are you going to do to him? Are you going to hurt him? Are you like, what's what's going on? Like, what's what's going on in that head of yours? And yeah, I think they play scenes like out like that really, um, really well. Oh my god, I feel like I'm just piggybacking, piggybacking off of everyone's moments. Um that that fight scene do you know what's not been mentioned of the fact that this is like a video game story um yeah, apart from in the, beginning. in the beginning yeah <laughs> but like because something i i always want from something that's like based on like a video game story is i want there to be elements that make me feel like i'm playing a video game right like I want to, like I want to feel that, like that agency you feel from video games, and it's something in the fight scenes that they do. I don't mm. know how a normal in like a regular movie or a regular show, it's just a fight scene, and the fighting happens, and then the fighting stops. But she's actively learning, like, and as well, like I don't, I don't know much about League, but I was like, oh, like it's linking to skills in the yeah. in the game. And they do that a lot. Like you literally see the characters kind of leveling up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to Wes's point about you get story in the fight scenes. And it, I think we, we've spoken about it on the show before where you can do exposition through action. And this just does it. It takes every moment, every advantage to, to do just that. So it's not just action scenes. So number one, even if they were, they're just amazingly choreographed. The music is is great. I mean, we haven't mentioned the music uh, too much, but the music is is great. Some of the scenes in there, and then it, it tells you something, so you learn more about the characters involved, um, or at least more is revealed about the characters involved through the fight scenes. And I feel the best, yeah. one of the best, if not the best, uh, is the fight scene between Echo and Jinx at the end, which is just like art. Like <laughs> that's just like. <laughs> To just you know, just stand back and and watch that happen because you're from a animation perspective because it, it mixes animation styles and it yeah. does tell the story about their their journey their respective journeys how they've kind of come to this point how they used to be as kids how they are now and it just has like sadness in it 
it's a visually like stunning scene and it progresses the story uh, forward as well. So it's just like a so I mean I, I don't know if you weren't applauding um, it before <laughs> that point. That's just like, like a hats off to you. Just to, uh, take a bow. Yeah, definitely. So my favorite favorite. No, I don't like that word. Um, <laughs> apart from when I'm talking about Silco being my favorite character, <laughs> but um, one scene that I really like and it it's the big sort of like finale in that last episode is I'm gonna call it the the Mad Tea Party because it very <laughs> much resembles the Alice in Wonderland Mad Mad Hat Tea Party. A just that whole the whole tea party but there's like specific moments so it's the it's the snack moment (laughs) where um where jinx is like oh i visited your girlfriend and made her into a snack and that bit is done so well (laughs) because at first like it hinted that it was like her head or something that's what i thought it was and then i was like nah and then as the scene like built up, I was like, maybe, yeah. what? No, no. I'm like, no, Jinx isn't, no, she wouldn't go that far. Would she? What? Yes. Is she? Has she? And then they really had me believe that she did. Yeah. Cause even Vice, like she recoils just at the moment, like she lifts yeah. up. Yeah. And then it's like, and she's just like, I'm not that crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, I thought you wasn't, but you kind of was acting like you was. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and it was oh my god the way they built that tension that because it was just you didn't even know what to expect they kind of just broke your expectations yeah but that built up for the for the for that final like her decision making where she ends up killing silco i know <laughs> <It's so sad. laughs> but and then it does the same like building tensions you're not sure like what what is jinx gonna do like i feel like that's the theme of this whole show is like what is <laughs> what is jinx not even jinx knows what jinx is gonna do I do yeah yeah exactly exactly she's just oh that moment is so so hard and heartbreaking because i don't want her to kill anyone no but even in death, he's like, you know, don't don't worry, you're perfect. <laughs> yeah. Like... Uh, he's actually such a good dad. <laughs> he's crazy. And he needs therapy. He's got some heavy luggage that he's carrying around up there. Definitely. But one thing he does not falter is like being a great dad and just <laughs> trying his hardest such a to be that. Point. It's the one thing that he is just absolutely successful on yeah positive reinforcement trusts in her looks out for her doesn't give her up when even doesn't give her up yeah even when she's really messed up and and others are saying you need to car yeah no he doesn't he doesn't give up on her he also like does discipline her but not in like Mm. a disciplinary yeah yeah not the same kind of way (laughs) yeah he's very nurturing yeah and it's just i think that's why i love him as a character so much because he is like a villain but he's a good dad (laughs) (laughs) even how even how he is with marcus's daughter like he's very nice to her to be fair yeah he's really good and i'm like I, I, like with that whole scene, I was like, "He wouldn't kill her. He'd adopt her." <laughs> She's with me now. 
there's oh, we could do a whole episode of Silco, but um, I wanted to end with some themes. So what I'm going to do, I can just run through these themes. If there's anything that catches your uh, your ear, feel free to to jump in because the thing I've, I was thinking as watching this is just like this is not necessarily the only way, but this is a very good way to adapt a video game property. Uh, and what I like about this is that. And if you're, you know, in one of these studios looking to adapt something, uh, listen to this. Arcane isn't about League of Legends. It's a story and it has very human themes and that's why it resonates. So I feel too too much of the time people try and make stories about the game when mm. they just need to make a story with good, relatable, understandable human themes. And that is one of the reasons why I feel this worked so well. It's like it's about something. Like there's there's something here to think about, to 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 discuss, to consider, even after you finish watching, and that's just uh, yeah. So there's a lot of themes. I'm going to throw some out there and see what you think. Yeah. So we have tragedy and trauma. Jinx is sort of representative of that. Her journey with trauma, mental health, or uh, lack thereof. We see the impact loss of family, like a real family and adopted family, affect her throughout the story and then again animation is constantly showing her state through those mental health issues but then the same thing for like Vi as well we see her sort of adopt her as the big sister she adopts the protective role uh, and we see even when Powder becomes Jinx she never loses that thread uh, with her she always wants to protect her and, uh, and that and then that goes to the other theme family and loyalty uh, and particularly in the Undercity. So Vi, like I said, doesn't give up on Powder even when she's faced with with Jinx. Um, we obviously see Silco talk about the importance of, of loyalty when he's meeting the other uh, mob bosses. Um, and interesting to to see that like loyalty seemed to be more abundant in the lower cities. I don't know what that says than, than Topside because people aren't necessarily as loyal. Um, I mean, until we see more of Mel's story. We maybe question, well, at least I did question her sort of loyalties. Um, but we also see Jace um, essentially oust his former mentor and counselor, uh, Hermadinger. By the end, everyone topside seems to be more interested in personal kind of protection and, and loyalty uh, in that sense. Um, one that was interesting for me was this idea of progress and, and power. So Piltover being the city of progress and we see how they, through the Hextech, uh, make strides in that uh, time uh, skip. They even have a day, a holiday called Progress Day. But the the question is raised, and why I like um, uh, Heimerdinger's characters, like the question is, should something be done just because it can be? And we see Jason Victor build Magitech that can just easily be used for for offensive means, even though they only see sort of protection and and defense but once it's made it's out there you can't you can't undo things and then in terms of like the power where this all happens in in piltover but it doesn't necessarily mean that the ability isn't in uh, the lower cities because we see moments where the people in piltover are, are surprised by the things that the people in the undercity specifically jinx can do because jinx is in a way she's an engineer um and the stuff she's making i can't remember which scene it was but it was a scene where someone's looking over her explosives and they're just like, this is amazing uh, tech. Where, where did this come from? <laughs> so it's that kind of thing. And then we've talked about it 
uh, across the time, like duality, sacrifice, and just this is a whole thing about duality. So every like the every character has a has a foil, and it could be one character. So we see even the city, like Piltover uh, and Zorn. Uh, we see like Vi and Jinx being forced for each other. We see Vi and Caitlyn. We see Vander and Silco, Jason Victor, Jason Heimerdinger, Heimerdinger and Singed, who we haven't talked about, but sort of in terms of like the way they approach technology and what they're willing to do. Heimerdinger isn't willing to do anything. Singed, <laughs> willing to do anything. Um, and then Mel and, and Bessa, who are, you know, mother-daughter, but in also different ideologies in terms of how they approach politics and, and war uh, or not. And then just this, this idea of sacrifice as well, where everyone, it feels like everyone's sacrificing something. Everyone's lost something in this. So these are all very human, understandable themes. Uh, if, you, if you build your story around uh, these kind of themes, or not specifically these themes, but themes about something, you can, you can make any good story, but particularly when we're talking about video game ad- adaptations that sometimes miss this just to replicate in a shallow way what they've seen in the video game. So that's, I don't know, any last, any last thoughts? Before? So many last thoughts, yeah, I, know, I don't right? think we have enough time. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> Where's <laughs> anything you want to end on? With? <laughs> no, no, not really. I mean, I, I feel like, I, I don't know. I really do want to, after this conversation, I actually have to go and watch this series again. It's almost like I'm hearing it. I'm like, there's so many little things I've missed. There's so many things I've gotten and so many things I like, I feel like I missed. It definitely de- deserves a, a second watch. But yeah, like the theme, I think what you just said was, what I found really interesting about what you just said about like, you know, these, these kind of, um, uh, you know, Jinx being really technologically advanced, even though she's come from maybe not such a privileged background. Mm. And it's just that, Again, how much your environment shapes you. You know, she was born like under different circumstances. She would have probably been finding new ways of engineering. You know, you know, like just increasing the technology in, in the city. Um, but just because of again where she was born, what happened to her, her mental state, and all this kind of stuff, and the things that she's the really traumatic things that she's gone through, it has made her what she is. And it again, I never look at her as a bad person. Do you know what I mean? I never look at it as um as evil and it's just it just shows you how how much your environment can actually affect you know your path in life you know it's not always the person it's not just that it's it's very simplistic to say someone's bad because they do this it's like yeah maybe the results of what they're doing is really bad but at their core are they bad or are they just like you know someone who's probably a bit misunderstood and stuff and i think they really portrayed that well in the in the series i think my final thought that I want to leave on, other than that Silco is great, um, <laughs> is... Um, First and final thought. <laughs> is that I'm really excited for the second season because of like what's been introduced and what I hope for the second se- season. Obviously, there's going to be something with Hermadinger and Echo. And then I'm hoping that also brings in singed more because it felt like they were like leaded up to something there but also like the this thing that they've got is like the the flip <laughs> i don't know what to call it but um because we've got like victor who's born in the who's from the under city and then gone up to the upper city um and then obviously now we've got hermadinger 
going. Oh yeah, he's going down. He's going down, but who's like the found one of the founders of the city? And then obviously we've got. Uh, Caitlin, who's had a taste of the Undercity, and then Violet's had a taste of the Upper City, and just how that's all gonna progress and flip, because I feel like there's a lot where where it's gonna be a lot of that kind of like understanding of the different sides. Even even Jace, yeah, who's suddenly, yeah, who's suddenly got his taste of the dangers and also the Undercity and like what. What he's trying to do and then obviously the end scene uh jinx just like you know blows it all up yeah we need to know what happened <laughs> <laughs> it's what cliffhanger to end it on it's like i mean I like how that's gonna really change the trajectory of like where how people were thinking yeah nice no, i'm because i had no knowledge of anything before going in and i like that um i'm kind of resisting the urge to trying to find out like as I was putting notes together, I saw there was some like, oh, because of this and this, this means this character and like another character I don't know, but now I have some <laughs> expectations. But I'm kind of like, yeah, just just call me when it's when it's ready. Netflix just <laughs> yeah, just pop that in my uh, in my queue when that's ready. And I just yeah, watch. don't even need to ask me. Just put it yeah, right yeah, it's just, <laughs> just whatever I'm doing, uh, I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> I'm just I'm just on this, so I just can't wait till uh, whenever they get this. And uh, if I mean if they like the level of quality they continue i think this could be one of the just best shows because the level of quality they've got here is just remarkable and yeah i was just looking forward to whenever you got it uh, i will watch it so like i said this is not everything but you know we got to end at some point so uh, as what we could fit into a podcast episode in our discussion um we'll probably like bring it up many times on on the podcast um again but let us know what you think about this episode is there something we miss yes there is there's lots uh let us know <laughs> let us know your thoughts on what we did cover uh in this episode and uh yeah let's continue the discussion our discord is there so before we end uh, i just want to check in on our guests and find out uh yeah what's going on there so where's uh tell us a bit about about what i'm doing at the moment yes I can't talk about it. <laughs> no, I'm, um, I know. So, um, no, I think that, um, yeah, so we're working at the moment, we've got, I think we've got three or four projects on at the moment. So one that I'm directing, um, I'm doing will come out later. Well, it's, um, but I can't say what it is. Yeah. Just a few kind of, we're, we're working on a, on, on a game that he's actually trying to make a small game. And then uh, also just developing on IPs and stuff. So we've got a couple of ideas for trying to pitch a series. And so I'll buy it all and like six, six episodes or something as well. We'll see what happens. You know, I think these things are, uh, I'm learning that these things take a longer than you expect it to take and, and trying to navigate that space transitioning from, uh, you know, mostly short, which I've, I like to some long form. So yeah, and, um, yeah. I'll take set a very, very high bar. So I'm like, yeah, I'd be really, very happy. Man, yeah, if I could get like a yeah attempt for that storytelling uh, <laughs> ability, yeah, the next uh, My Amada uh, title will be looking pretty good. So yeah, like I said at the beginning, just learning from this is the kind of thing you can just take, you can just watch and just like enjoy, but also uh, learn from. So yeah, looking forward to seeing what you do because if anyone hasn't checked out like the line. We'll put a link 
uh, in the show notes, just like amazing animation as well. So go check that out, see what they are up to as well. So yeah, Wes, uh, thank you for thank you for joining us and giving us your your expertise. It's nice nice to be as as well. You too. <laughs> No, I appreciate it. And uh, thank you to everyone listening. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode of Story X Story, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Uh, give us a five-star rating and review because that helps us reach new listeners and fans of story discussions. And don't forget to check out our own stories on the My Matter website. We have a number of titles available, including the new series Through the Fog, which is our latest release. And you can join our Discord uh, and check out the Studio 77 membership for exclusive access to our events and content from the Maya Matter universe. And be sure to follow us uh, on everything, socials, Twitch, YouTube, for our Do I Look Like a Gamer video game representation campaign, which is now live. Uh, we've got some events coming we've got one by the time you listen to this we've just done and yeah we're about empowering young people particularly those from underrepresented backgrounds to to know and help be an active part of shaping the future of the video games industry so check that out at looklikeagamer.com um, so we release new episodes of the podcast on thursdays that include creator interviews video game discussions and deep dives into stories across pop culture you can always give us a shout directly. Our email address is feedback at mymatter.com and our website with links to subscribe is mymatter.com forward slash story x story. So thank you for tuning in. Until next time, stay safe. And remember, if you're not parenting like Silco, you are doing it wrong, apparently. So take care, everyone.